0: So welcome back to another uh, round of uh, this Mukuri Medical Arts Podcast. I'm, I'm here with uh, Dr. Bob Quinn and myself, Stephen Schleifer. And uh, the topic today would be this this notion of classical Chinese medicine. And, you know, when I st- went to school at uh, NUNM, uh, the National University of National Medicine, and obviously they have a... Um, classical Chinese medicine program, and, you know, students were quite proud of going to a classical Chinese medicine program, but the, the, the challenge that I had with, with that was, or my observation was that, yes, we did study classical books, we, we, you know, looked at those things, but on a clinical level, it seemed, um, you know, standard, TCM stuff, oftentimes, or you know, what depending on what the flare. Is. So my question was, where is the connection between, what? Well, basically, I always came back to this question: was like, what is classical Chinese medicine? Mm-hmm. So, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, a few things to mention. <coughs> excuse me to mention, I can recall when I f- first was hired on at uh, the. Then it was NCNM, National College of Natural Medicine. It was as a part-time clinical supervisor. I had Mm -hmm. two two shifts to cover. And I didn't notice a world of difference, honestly, if any difference at all, in what the students were proposing acupuncture-wise. Well, that's not quite true. I would say that the NCNM students compared to the OCOM students were proposing doing fewer points. But they were arriving at what points they wanted to do with a similar kind of thinking mm-hmm. that I had experienced at OCAM. Uh, when it came to herbal medicine, there was a distinct difference. It, w- it showed that uh, the students had studied uh, the Shang Lun much more deeply uh, than the, it was common with OCOM students. So that was one difference, and uh, I, it forced me to start studying the Shanghan Lun uh, more closely myself. <clears throat> but in essence, I agree with what you're saying that the, the differences are not actually profound, as you would think, mm-hmm. calling one classical, one uh, TCM. Um, there was a, a, a meeting uh, well, it was quite a few years ago now. At uh, in our department, the classical Chinese medicine department, a little bit of time left, and so someone proposed the question that we discuss: Uh, what is classical Chinese medicine? The same topic you've uh, adopted here, and it was fascinating. Um, Someone first proposed that that, and really the question was: um, what is the essence? of Chinese medicine, without which we don't have Chinese medicine any longer. Mm. Uh, Someone proposed uh, the channel system, that you can't do Chinese medicine without the channel system. And someone said, well, certainly you could do herbal medicine. And then they pointed out that there are styles, like the Dong style, that really, uh, they're they're just points. You, Mm -hmm. You don't really have to have... Uh, the channel system to have this very effective treatment style you know, uh, Dong T-U-N-G that's what I'm mm-hmm. saying and uh, <clears throat> so the channel system went out as being absolutely necessary and someone proposed, well, classical Chinese medicine means you know, that the Shanghan Lun is the basis of everything and other people jumped in and said well, obviously there were books before then uh the Tang Yijing and you have books after that you could put together a very coherent practice of herbal medicine without the Shanghan Lun uh and it might be uh, not as good as 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 if when the Shang Han Lun is there but mm-hmm. still it would be uh clinically effective i think and we went on and on people proposed wen bing and this and that and this and that and we really really running out of time, and we really had arrived at uh, yin-yang. Mm. And I don't know where the discussion would have gone, but those there were basically in agreement that uh, you can't have classical Chinese medicine if you leave yin-yang thinking out. Uh, now, we're, as I said, we had run out of time. I'd be curious... Um, if people really felt that uh, yin-yang was sufficiently sophisticated as a concept mm-hmm. to base a medicine upon. I have a feeling people would have said it's not. It's necessary in the language of math. It's necessary but not sufficient. Mm-hmm. Right? You need yin-yang but you need more. And we just in our meeting hadn't yet arrived at what the uh, more. more was without which you don't have classical Chinese medicine. Right. Uh, so it's interesting. I, my own feeling is, is that you can absolutely be a yin-yang practitioner. I don't think I'm much more. Uh, you will find five-phase thinking. Mm-hmm. That was another one in our meeting, by the way, that was proposed. Uh, um, that you have to have five elements to have Chinese medicine. But... Uh, it's not true. Five Elements actually never really seeped into Chinese culture. Uh, Paul Unschuld has pointed out, right, he collects these little family medicine books. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, I think he's recently turned them over to a museum. He said, you can go through a hundred of these books, and these are all the family herbal recipes. Yeah, uh, And he said, y- you're never going to find Five Elements anything. Mm. Right. So it didn't really reach into... The everyday life of Chinese people to be even those who were using Chinese herbal medicine, yeah, uh, to be thinking in terms of five elements. Uh, so I don't think you could make the argument that that's absolutely essential to Chinese medicine.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, my my take on the five element thing first of all is, I part. I mean, I think some of the five element does comes derives uh, the, the the roots of that is actually comes from the yijing the book of changes right which is arguably one of the oldest root texts of chinese culture right there's uh, addressing this notion of change and how to how to engage mm-hmm. change in a in a helpful way um ultimately obviously Ching is a yin yang book it describes the right. manifestations of yin yang and essentially Five elements are just an extension of that, so I always refer back to that, um, and and my my I, I totally think I am absolutely convinced that yin yang is if you uh, take it a little bit deeper, I think it absolutely can be a, a adequate system of of diagnosing, of treating, of looking at the person um, using using the yin yang qualities, right, and okay i think that's one of the things that i've noticed now i've gone you know obviously went through the chinese medicine program here in in portland and then uh just completed a training with um the shantian college that's uh, demos mitchell's and rob Aspell's uh program from england which was a three-year program and you know there they you know demo talked about Chinese classical Chinese medicine or as he calls it ancient Chinese medicine and Rob was teaching more on the TCM traditional Chinese medicine things and <clears throat> and Rob was talking about you know the yin yang stuff but you know it was moved through and understood like talked about and then you know you just moved on and I was like but wait a minute you know I always uh-huh. have this notion of like wait can we just go back and look at it a little bit deeper and I'm um, you know, to get the depth of understanding, you know, and, and again, my way of looking at yin-yang theory ultimately is, um, you know, the first original yin-yang thing is motion movement. And on the one end of the spectrum, you have stillness and on the, other end of, on the other end of the spectrum, you have activity, right? So you've got the, that spectrum of movement mm-hmm. that they're trying to describe with yin-yang, uh, concepts. Mm-hmm. And then the other concept that they, which crystallizes out of this yin yang, is essentially, <clears throat> well, they have the heaven, earth, and the human in between, right? Mm, right. And which is essentially, it's just also another yin yang, uh, uh, thing to look at, um, in terms of density, right? Heaven is expansive, less dense, and then you've got earth, which is dense, and you have that those kind of aspects you know, that we have to traverse in, in terms of health, in terms of, you know, looking at health and looking, using yin-yang as a perspective to look at those things, is having, you know, movement, stillness, density, expansiveness, or the opposite of density, that spectrum, trying to describe that, and if you look at all that, in, in terms of movement in the body, whether something moves up or down, or in or out, or you have something, you know, in my opinion, for instance, blood and qi, which is a very you know important concept in my opinion from a classical perspective obviously it's my perspective which is just describes a spectrum of density again you know blood is on the one end of this density spectrum and chi is on the other side of the spectrum and so it just describes a density and so the human you know using these concepts if you take that a little bit further right you can you can get remarkable amounts of information from a person from from a patient and 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 appropriately treating them in those terms
1: Right there was that one statement from a few hundred years ago that Heiner uh, Furhoff translated from uh, Zhang Jingyue I think I've shown you the quote before Mm -hmm. of Canola paraphrase it essentially he's Saying that yin yang is the most important principle in medicine it, there's yin-yang of symptoms, yin-yang of the herbs, and on and on and on. And he said, if you understand what's going on with your patient in terms of yin-yang, you're going to give a treatment that will have no side effects mm-hmm. right, and an effective treatment. Um, I had a similar experience, by the way, in my first year, first term at uh, OCOM, where I, I had... In a way, been preparing for studying Chinese medicine for many years. I've been, when I hitchhiked around Europe in '76 and '77, I only had two books with me: the Tao Te Ching and the Zen of Running. Uh Um, And I had read a number of books uh, from Alan Watts, you know, early popularizer of Zen and Taoism and uh, Buddhist philosophy. And uh, I was prepared. and going into my TCM education to encounter this philosophical richness of yin yang, it, and it must have been a few weeks into our TCM theory class. I'm guessing you know week four, five, six, somewhere in there. And she gave a 15-20 minute lecture on yin yang, and then she moved on. And it was clear to me the way that she moved on. That she was never coming back to the topic again, mm-hmm. and in fact, in the whole year she did not uh and i I left I was in the evening cohort I left that evening with my head spinning around on my shoulders. i thought, can you- <laughs> can you dispense with in a twenty minute talk- talk with yin yang, and that's all there is to say about it. I just thought it was astonishing and it was so disappointing and it never was returned to. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, they, were, they would have you memorize what are the symptoms of yin deficiency, what are the symptoms of yang deficiency. I'm not talking about that. That came back sure, many, many times. Uh, but just to talk about what it is, what it is to be talking of yin-yang, there's so much to say. Now, can- contrast that with, uh, say, Buckminster Fuller, who's a big influence <clears throat> on me. His, his uh, written works, and there are plenty of lectures available on YouTube. Um, he never used, that I'm aware of, the word yin and the word yang. Mm-hmm. But when he says things like tension and compression mm-hmm. always and only coexist, he's saying there is no yin without yang. Right mm-hmm. in our world of the, the ten thousand things, the manifest right. nuts and bolts reality, but and he saw it everywhere he saw uh radiation and gravity as a yin yang pair, he saw diffusion and concentration as a yin yang pair, he saw uh, concavity and convexity as a yin yang pair on and on and on. there are many mm-hmm. it's a you get the picture from uh reading fuller that and What's going on in nature is yin-yang, if mm. only you have the eyes to see it. Exactly. Um, and um, there's one thing you said, um, uh, I was going to... Oh, about the... Tunas, <coughs> um, when we're talking about um, the Ching. Uh-huh. Um, and then you went on to human heaven... Okay. And, and Earth, Earth right. uh, so that there's you have three. Because for Fuller's thinking, three threefold division is the nature of physical reality. That he doesn't think in terms of cubes. You know, we learn uh, Euclidean geometry, and yeah, I have an X and a Y axis, and then you can go three dimensional with right. one more axis, and um, so you end up with uh, a vision of the world as a cube. Right. Um, And he showed, I think demonstrated to my uh, satisfaction that actually the tetrahedron is the the building block of how things go in the universe. So we have threefoldness. And this would be yin-yang and the third would be the relationship between Mm -hmm. them. And you have heaven, earth, and the human creates the relationship between heaven and earth it's like uh, in the Naging I think it says that the roundness of the head uh-huh. corresponds to heaven, the squareness of the torso torso, to earth. that makes the, the neck, which is obviously a connector. Mm-hmm. And F.M. Alexander even talked about the neck as a relationship more than a thing. Mm-hmm. So the relationship between heaven and earth. And uh, so that brings us to a, a threefoldness. Well, we have that with Jing Chi Shen also. Um, but these are the kinds of things I find myself uh, thinking about uh, when I'm contemplating uh, yin yang.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing. I mean, um, you mentioned the the you know, and I've I've spoken to some old Chinese doctors, you know, from China, and you know, and people ask them like, what are you you know working on still, like some grand theory or something like that? They always come back to these, you know, yin yang, yin yang, trying to understand that deeper and more. Yeah. Uh, solidly, and I think that's a really key piece. Um, also, I wanted to mention there's, um, you know, in the I think it's in the Suan chapter twenty five, where you know, gets asked what what are the skills of a of a Chinese medicine doctor, and he gives this list, which I think is a quite interesting list. You know, and the first, you know, and it goes in order, I guess. First one is being able to have uh, Shen management skills, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a deep topic. I'll, I'll come. The second one was understanding uh, yangshen life nourishing mm-hmm. arts. Then they talk about understanding herbs, understanding the fourth one is understanding the body, the landscape of the body, mm-hmm. and then the fifth one is understanding the diagnosis of those things. And those are the skills that a Chinese doctor should have. Um, and I, I have thoughts about all of those but you know the first one is the talking about Shen management being able mm. to control your consciousness and so obviously you have uh, qigong methods um, which essentially try to get an understanding of yin yang in the body essentially mm. right and again it's if you look at you know it's actually quite mechanistic almost even when you go into consciousness level um, Again, it's building density, less density, building lines of connection or relationships between those two, uh, finding a relationship between this activity and stillness, again, within the, their own body, right? Mm-hmm. And through these processes, they build incredible amounts of stillness and skill of their consciousness, of their Shen, of their, you know, what they do with their minds. Um... And I mean, mind, not just the small mind, the, you know, your thoughts, your daily thoughts, but maybe that deeper aspect, that congenital aspect of our consciousness, right? Consciousness. Yeah. Um, and being able to work with that. And I think that's a key piece, in my opinion, um, that a, chi- a classical Chinese medicine doctor should at least strive to um, gain, you know, the, these skills. Um, I think that's a, that's a key piece. Mm-hmm. Um, that oftentimes, I mean, I um, think that, you know, as you've mentioned before, you know, that, you know, Chinese medicine schools here and in the U.S. have, what, over 90% of their classes didactic training, right. very little practical training, even less training in, in terms of, you know, some kind of skills that trains the mind in the appropriate way, right, mind slash body, because I think, you know, if you ought to do Chinese medicine it's kinda of conducive to use their methods. Obviously I'm biased in that because I mm-hmm. practice Jigong. But um that that's the idea that I you know always come back to that I think
1: is oftentimes missing. hmm Yeah, a few thoughts. Um <clears throat> well first of all I, I, before I lose this question, uh I wanted you to say more about how you saw the five elements coming out of the Egypt that wasn't immediately clear to me.
0: Oh, okay. If you look at um I believe it's even in the first chapter of um the the Jing, they talk actually about these terms you have and, and um so the first chapter or well, the first is Jian the the heaven, mm-hmm. the, the ter- terms of heaven. Um, and then you, t- they talk about these <clears throat> four concepts that revolve around this heavenly concept, this Chan creative and, and it's not heaven. It's more p- properly crea- creative is a more better right. translation. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm not, I can't remember the, the, um, Chinese terms for it, but essentially it's from that is growth. Uh, sprouting, then there's harvesting, and, and there's different con- and then mm-hmm. the root, they so, talk about these four concepts, so that's... Seasoning. See- yeah, the seasonal Season. aspect. And that's ultimately um, at least of some people's opinion that that is a lot of the root mm-hmm. where then Five Element was taken out of mm-hmm. and worked with. So that's where um, uh, it, it seems to be, you know, that people have used um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I would have to actually look
1: up the exact terms, no, that, but yeah, that, that gives me enough to to go on. It sounds <clears throat> perhaps like because we have two five element models, you know, the one that's like a wheel and the one with earth in the middle. Right. And to go from one season to the next, you have to go through the earth for 18 or 19 days, whatever. Right. It is. Right. Uh, that, by the way, appeals to me more uh, because uh, you've got the, the compass directions and most people speak of four seasons, not five seasons. Right. I always felt a bit forced to me as it was taught to me in uh, TCM school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I, I'm, as I, I have all these tations being made by these traditional uh, Navajo, especially the, the father, it's a father-son mm-hmm. team, and uh, even today, I had some communication with him. Uh, you know, they have four sacred mountains, and they have the the center between mm-hmm. those. So really, that's the the five-element model. Right. And they their center point has a lot of the same uh, properties. You know, of uh, what we would call earth. You know, the tra- transformation happens there, right. and you know, and. Heiner Fruhoff system, uh, you know, the first hexagram goes with spleen, goes with snake. Right. Both of which, you know, spleen, our food is transformed. Snake, the symbol of transformation because of the continual shedding of skin and mm-hmm. for other reasons as well. So, the it's same for the Navajos. Uh, you know, this guy, uh, Ernie, who makes the dictation and other tools for me, He almost every weekend, I think, he's in healing ceremonials, he has a cousin and a brother who are Navajo healers mm-hmm. uh, and I've, I asked him to explain this might even have come up in a previous podcast here uh, about the concept of space and right. that, that's when we got into it, he said this center space has to be invoked for healing Right? you have to be between the four sacred mountains at least invoking it Maybe yeah, right. not physically. Uh, and um, so that five element model where we have Earth in the middle, just cosmologically is so much more appealing to me. I realize that when you arrange them in a wheel around the outside and you have a control cycle and right. uh, all this stuff and a creation cycle, that that yields some uh helpful clinical strategies Mm -hmm. there's no doubt that that's true you know Uh the japanese meridian therapy that i practice so often although no longer exclusively uh, this is through and through a five element model right Uh, the one thing i'll say in defense of that is that they left and right break the so-called five element rules yeah yeah, yeah. because uh, they discover something uh, clinically effective in breaking rule A or rule B, and what they're after is clinical effectiveness, not dogmatic uh, adherence to some theory. Right. So um, uh, that fi- again, going back, I I, I like the cosmological uh, alignment of that five element model with, say, Navajo and. Other traditional fourfold systems around the world, like the, you know, the Greek four elements. Mm-hmm. I realize a Greek element is very different from a Chinese Xing, more a movement or right. a phase. Um, anyway, I think I've wandered a little bit afield from sure, sure. from yin yang, <laughs> but um, I, I wanted to get your thoughts uh, on where the you saw the five elements coming in with the yijing. Yeah, so, you answered my question. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah, I mean, I think the five element is you know, I you know, it's a good model of looking at yin, yin yang again, I think. I mean, you know, like one one um one of my teachers he talked about it as like, you know, that the wood is expanding, fire is expanded, right? Mm-hmm. Metal is contracting, water is contracted. Right, and then obviously you have the Earth in the center. Again, it comes back to that type of model mm-hmm. that helps the transitioning from one phase to another, from one of these to the mm-hmm. next, and right. And that's where ultimately, you know, that supporting quality of Earth is in the center of that all. And I, I you know, again, it, for me, it looks it looks at those in in a very uh, yin yang way of looking at it, just trying to understand it a little bit more, make it a little bit more mm-hmm. user friendly, so to speak. Um, uh, nonetheless, I think if you, you know, you take yin-yang, pure yin-yang, and then five elements, you know, ultimately I think they kind of cohesively work together quite nicely, without being like clashing or, or mm-hmm.
1: you know, being one is exclusive. Yeah, that's the essence, I would say, of, if you could say the theory of mm-hmm. that, that Japanese meridian therapy draws on. It's a five element yin-yang system. Right. Interesting to mention, just as a, a little tangent, and side note, um, yin yang comes up in dreams all the time. Mm. I, I don't know if it's come up in our earlier podcast, my interests in Chinese medicine, dream work, uh, but it comes in in many ways, maybe. In the dream, the person's on the East Coast, then later on the West Coast, or vice versa. They're in Canada, then they're in Mexico. Mm. Uh, So all these polar pairs, uh, they're in freshwater, then they're in saltwater. The twofoldness is going to show up as yin-yang, and maybe there's uh, a a hundred females in the dream and one male. Mm -hmm. There's there's all kinds of ways. The... A lot of old, old, ancient people—all wrinkles and one baby—or mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of ways that if you have the eyes, you can see yin yang in your uh, dream interpretation. Yeah, so ev- everything happening on the left side of the body, maybe, maybe one thing in the dream on the right side of the body. Uh, all this stuff, because I've heard at this point, uh, literally thousands of dreams where I've tried to put. Chinese medicine filters on Mm -hmm. them and uh, yin-yang comes up uh, probably most frequently of all Yeah, interesting and then you have to tease it out and uh, (coughs) um, it's never perfect or we'll say rarely perfectly uh, clear Uh, and that's when you have that's what you have hands for and, and eyes that you can go to your patient's body and You have a certain understanding from the dream about what's happening yin yang with this person. Then you go and check on their body Mm -hmm. and see uh, does the body say the same thing as what I think the dream is saying. Right. Um, So that I find very interesting, and it is this endlessly uh, fascinating to me. Even this morning in my practice before coming here. one patient I've worked many many dreams with over a period of years, and uh, a dream today it was not in this case yin yang dream but a dream that had just such a, um, is one of the big dreams you know Jung talked about you're only going to have a certain number of big life changing dreams this was a, this was a very big one for mm-hmm. the patient, and then the patient after her was uh, someone. Just no dream today, but say five treatments ago, there was a dream that uh, literally, uh, no, it's actually a series of three dreams she shared in the same session. They all said the same thing, all the story of uh, grief changed, mm-hmm. changed her life. But sometimes, as I said, it really is just that the, there's no five element clear story, at least not one that I discover, but there's right. a clear yin-yang story. Yeah, that's even more common than the five elements story.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that the the key thing that you mentioned, I mean, obviously, finding those yin yang things, um, you know, being able to, you know, understand the stories that they, I let's say the dreams and so on. Mm-hmm. But the, the, what I want to do bring back, I, I like that you said. Well, and then we check with the body, right? Because there's a reflection in the body of yin yang, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. right and uh being able to not just listen to their stories but using all your senses whether you look at them you palpate them you feel the pulses um you know listen to them obviously what they say how you know that all gives you then clues to really confirm or you know again you know what's trust but verify you know give you multiple Mm -hmm. ways of looking at this and in trying to figure out the yin yang patterns because obviously Mm -hmm. you know i mean otherwise we would be all probably amazing chinese medicine practitioners but it is it's still you know i i always look at the person as a a huge mystery you know Mm -hmm. that we try to figure out to those yin yang components and it's obviously not clear right at at times you know and then it you know you have to dig and and figure it out and and Mm-hmm. Then I think that's for me is obvious, the, the the big joy of Chinese medicine is trying
1: to understand, you know, the mystery. Somehow, I'm just a memory is dropping in of this was after one year of my studies at uh, OCOM in my master's program. I'd been working all along on Fridays at uh, the Institute for Traditional Medicine in their immune enhancement. Uh, clinic Mm -hmm. that's all HIV population. And Heiner Fruhoff had brought his herb teacher, uh, Dr. Zung, over to help at the fledgling CCM program at Mm -hmm. NCNM. And uh, I had a chance to sit in with him because uh, there were some patients, uh, some HIV patients who were not doing... Uh, sufficiently well on the protocols that have been developed there at the at IEP and uh, so he agreed to see them and do individual formulas for him mm-hmm. uh, for them and uh, this one patient he had I don't know three or four big Kaposi sarcoma lesions you could see on his legs mm. but he had been a marathon runner and he was still built like one he, he If you just looked at his frame and the muscles on his legs, you would think, oh, he could walk right out of here and jump in a marathon. He's actually very, very sick. And uh, his pulse, I don't think anyone, pulse training is really not a big thing in TCM colleges. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... uh, I think, uh, but Dr. Zong was a real pulse master, and mm-hmm. I think you have to go outside the TCM colleges in China, and I think there are much more of them in Taiwan, and there are some good ones in Japan. But in general, I think the Japanese pulse taking is a simpler system than, uh, than what I find with these pulse masters in, from uh, uh, Taiwan or China. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and Dr. Zung... Felt his pulse. At that point, Dr. Zung's English was almost non-existent. My job, they had a, a page with Chinese and English words next to it. Uh-huh. And uh, I would uh, help Dr. Zung make sense because he would just want to know, for instance, how many bowel movements. Mm-hmm. And they would tell a whole long story and then I would turn to him and I'd say, one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was just trying because I didn't speak any Chinese uh, still don't And um, when it came to this guy's pulse it was just so hammeringly strong to the surface mm-hmm. I didn't know at the time to try to find a deeper layer to the pulse our own training mm-hmm. at uh, OCOM was was probably as uh, weak as it was at the TCM schools in China. And so I felt that, and when the, the guy left, um, I, I said to Dr. Zong, I said, pulse, and I showed with my fingers, I said, pulse, big, boom, boom, boom. Hmm. And I say, said to him, what mean? And he just looked at me and he shook his head and he said, no energy. Mm. And I thought, whoa, this is a big lesson for me because people at OCOM wouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they would have said, oh, this, just the opposite. There's energy because mm-hmm. it's strong to the surface. Right?
0: right.
1: Uh, they might have said something's going on on the surface or you know, there's an external invasion or hypertension, but they wouldn't have had any subtlety and uh, <clears> the <throat> funny that when I started at NCNM, the very same thing happened. That There was a student about to graduate on the naturopathic side. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was exhausted. She was from uh, another country, so being here is probably already unfamiliar mm-hmm. and being in a different school system and all. She was <clears throat> really drained in the... Uh, turn went over and felt the pulse and it was not as extreme as this guy who was yeah. dying of Kaposi sarcoma but um, it was still very strong to the surface and he had, he, he called me over and he said pulse seems uh, like she has really good kidney chi and I felt the pulse and I, I could see there was nothing happening mm-hmm. under that surface, right. bounding pulse. Uh, and I looked at her and I said, you're exhausted. And she just started crying and crying and crying just to have someone acknowledge how difficult it was to be at the end of this, I don't know if it was a four, or five, or six-year journey for her to get right. through the program. Uh, again, she might have had some challenges as a foreigner, I don't know. Uh, and for uh, uh, the intern, you know, I, I could relate. Uh, this is how I, I know. This This is a milder version of what I experienced with Dr. Zong. Mm-hmm. I said that the yin is so weak, there's no anchor. There's right. no anchor for the yang, so it can just recklessly flare up to this surface, you know, that surface layer. Mm-hmm. And I just said this. She's just so uh, depleted. There's no anchoring. So um, interestingly, uh, that intern, just a few years afterwards, three, four, five, was chosen as one of Portland's best acupuncturists. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Funny how things go. Um, so that idea of the yin yang of of the pulse, and you know, just such a a basic lesson from doctor. Doctor Zong, I had almost written off any hope of pulse being a meaningful experience for me. Then I saw he would have his fingers on the pulse. He would. It was almost as if he had his ear to a wall, trying to li- listen to mm-hmm. what's being said in the next room. He was kind of nodding his head a little bit, listening, listening, listening. I think he was going through. When he feel the pulse, he would have four or five formula ideas. Mm -hmm. And then he had to listen more closely to see, is there a way I can narrow it down? And occasionally he would ask one more question to help him narrow it down. It really was listening uh, for a pattern. And so there I encountered someone. It was too early in my education to really, uh, really learn from him. But it was nonetheless a really important lesson uh, that you... Can get very reliable clinical information from the pulse there really is something to it and um and that really was a key moment for me yeah that even though he wasn't you know quote unquote my teacher and and so on, but I had a chance to sit with them that summer and to give him rides home and you know there was some sharing mm mm
0: hmm yeah, I mean, I think that as you said, the the pulse. I mean, it's such a fascinating. I mean, I think of it as the, the pinnacle of palpation, right? Like you can palpate the body and get lots of information. Mm-hmm. But uh, getting back to the pulse, and you know the way that um, been working with demo and teaching and so on, the way he's been teaching it, I think is he he did a real good job at trying to figure out these basic. You know, making the simple profound, Uh Uh, like that concept of, you know, have such a basic pulse. But if you listen and you pay attention a lot, and you just get the practice in, with some guidance, obviously some guidance there, um, it gives you so much information, from, again, coming back to yin-yang, basically, in my opinion, Uh, information. It's
1: incredible. Uh It's, It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. How many layers is he paying attention to? Well, he usually has the,
0: basically with the pulse, it's the mid layer, the -hmm. mid depth, uh, which basically gives you a lot of information about your constitutional place where you are. It's basic Nanjing. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes down into the lower layers, the yin layers and the yang layers. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I find interesting in his way of teaching, he talks about the pulse just being a reflection of the channel system, not so much of the organs, you can now infer things to the mm-hmm. organs, but he doesn't say that it directly and that's from his teachers that gives direct information from from the organs themselves like tang Fu kind mm-hmm. of t- t- notions um, yeah.
1: I mean, that, uh, he, that would be a Japanese shared right. idea for for the most part.
0: He then also pulls out information, which ha- takes a little bit of chi skills in that sense. He also then starts separating, actually, what you feel at the tips of your fingers, which is more the quality of the blood, versus what echoes up, to, up your hands. And he distinguishes between those two qualities as well. So you're saying blood is perceived at the tips, the tips of, of the, the fingers, fingers? The actual pulse, you know, mm-hmm. the beating. Yeah. The, the, and then what... The beat hits your fingers and there's an echo up your hands uh-huh. that re- goes up your hands. and That's and, more chi. That's more chi. So you mm-hmm. have it. You, you distinguish between those two. And then obviously he does go through the basic qualities of, you know, Titan wiring, regular, mm-hmm. regular and so on. But he, he still goes to this, comes back always to this basic idea first mm-hmm. before you go into all these different, mm-hmm. you know, concepts. And the thing is, uh, which I totally agree with him, the, the, that he talks about, is that people get bombarded with all these 28, 29 qualities of the pulse right. and this and that. And so on. And they get it in six weeks, eight weeks. I don't know. Like, you know, like, I mean, we had a diagnostic class. Obviously, it got filled it out into clinic as well. But the actual teaching was done in, you know, six weeks of tongue diagnosis, six weeks of pulse, di- uh, yeah, mm-hmm. six weeks of pulse diagnosis. Yeah that's a lot of information, <laughs> you know, and you, and you don't, you, you might get it intellectually, you might get, you, okay, I can remember, wires, this and that, but to actually just feel the pulses and just like, just observe, not even make judgments about it, just getting pulse and pulse again and again and again, and then start looking for those qualities as they come to you in your hands, is so much a different quality, and it takes time, it just simply takes time. It's not something that you can, it, you know, develop within, I mean, even to get a good basic qua- quality of understanding of the pulse, I think it does take really two or three years realistically to to, to,
1: to get the foundations. We were talking on one of my shifts last night, actually, about uh, Paul So students. We had a midterm evalu- evaluation, so the students were uh-huh. self-evaluating and naming two strengths I had them do and and then one thing that they're spending more time working on. The number of them said pulse. And uh I said in my experience it was like a, a slow incline upwards, the the growth curve of mm-hmm. your pulsability. But then you had long plateaus where you don't seem to be picking up anything new. But then you hit this punctuation mark where there will be a quantum leap. Mm-hmm. And that might be when you meet a teacher. All right. I remember uh, going to Japan in August 2007 uh, with Stephen Brown and Jeffrey Dan and a, uh, maybe 20 other students. And we, we got the best uh, of the best of the acupuncture world in Japan to come and teach us. Personally, this is the first time a group of Americans had attended the Meridian Therapy Summer Institute in Tokyo. Uh-huh. And so you had Dr. Shudo and Ikeda and all these other greats um, coming and teaching. And when I came back 10 days later, I was feeling all kinds of things in the pulse that I'm sure were always there, and I had just never had the ability to perceive them. Right. So under the influence, uh, you know, coming into contact with uh, some... Master practitioners, there was this punctuation, this quantum leap that happened in my perceptual abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing in the pulse that really helps. we talked about this last time the, that that Gasho Gyoki you know this hands in prayer position right. opening and closing you can focus on laogong, but that 's not the only thing that 's right, moving, course. hopefully, and this uh, um has made my hands so much more sensitive there's not a day and i'm sure the last i don't know six years or so uh, i can't remember when i first studied uh, qigong with you that i haven't done this and my hands have been absolutely transformed Mm -hmm. of course I, i also i don't do any work without proper gloves you know, uh, working in the yard, I'm always gloved up. Even carrying a trash can to the corner, of the driveway, glove up, and you know, just protecting my hands. Yeah. Um,
0: so it's, it's interesting. Demo, demo. When you started, when he thought started teaching the the pulses, he was like uh, forbidding us to to play uh, guitar mm-hmm. strings because they just callous your your right. fingertips up and and make them less sensitive. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, all all my Japanese teachers uh, say um, no golf, no tennis, no baseball. Right? Mm. You're holding uh, a club that's going to give you calluses, and you're going to be tightening these interosseous muscles in the Mm. hand, and those are the ones that you want loose, so you have uh, better proprioceptive abilities so yeah very grateful for that and I I pay attention to that my friends have asked me to because I I grew up playing golf Mm -hmm. Say, well, pick it up again come play with us and say well dr. bear would spank me (laughs) (laughs) he would be able to tell immediately that he when I touch him you know that I have ignored his uh, admonitions right he told me use good hand care products and uh, and glove up, and uh, he didn't tell me about the, you know, this pulsing of yin yang in the hands, which uh-huh. I think has been the most helpful. Uh, but I do all those things uh, every day, yeah. and my hands have been uh, transformed. I wouldn't be able to do anymore what I used to do. You know, a whole day of strong Thai, traditional Thai massage. Mm-hmm. It's not in my hands to do that kind of deep work all day long anymore. I could do it in a, a pinch for half an hour if I needed right. to, but my hands have just, uh, you know, as I said, those interosseous muscles have gotten so much more uh, relaxed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's uh, you know, key skills of classical of a
1: practitioner, in my opinion, is just developing these physical skills, right. It's not just Japanese, by the way. Dr. Zhu Ming-Ching, the famous scalp acupuncturist, I had about a year of going back and forth regularly to San Jose to study with him. He has extraordinary hands. He's not a pulse guy at all. In fact, he doesn't even believe the people who who say they can feel in a pulse this or that. He doesn't even believe it because yeah. he's a product of a TCM education. Right. But uh, he's he's a, a Taiji guy, and... And uh, his needling is so lovely. And it, his first needle, mm. you know, the patient's usually seated in front of him because he's just going for their scalp. And it's just like Taiji commencement. And right. it's just so beautiful. And the, the wrist is so loose and the hands, the fingers so relaxed. And it, his needles go into the scalp like a hot knife through butter. You know, mm. it's just... And if you've... Spent any time needling scalps, you know, it's it's actually not that easy uh, mm-hmm. compared with, you know, sticking a needle in LI-11 or, uh, you know, in a back shoe point where right. it, it, there's no great challenge to it physically. The scalp is just not a lot of tissue there, and, and yet it just slides so, in for him so easily. Yeah. yeah. Not 100% of the time, but uh, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah so again you know that focus on uh, the quality of uh, touch then you can perceive yin yang
0: right yeah talking about the tai chi that you bring up that brings up a thought that you know um oftentimes tai chi was paired up with chinese medicine in classical mm-hmm. times there are two aspects to it first of all the push hands gives you incredible sensitivity in your hands mm-hmm. right? and uh, just i don't know if it's not necessarily just chi but also you just more nerve endings i don't know if that's if that's really real but your hand become you know a lot more sensitive Mm -hmm. and it's quite interesting because you know if you hit yourself that's just that much more painful as well (laughs) (laughs) you have that aspect but then the other aspect that they have also with the tai chi in in combination with chinese medicine um, is also the sword work and the idea of the sword work is because ultimately you have to get your chi and i the the idea of your consciousness to the tip of the sword which obviously right. has applications to needle work uh-huh. um and if you can do it on the sword to you know which is three feet long or whatever however long it is um you certainly can do it to a you know a i don't know a couple inch long needle or whatever it is from handle from tip mm-hmm. to handle um so those skills you know are are there as well? You know that's why the, classically it's been always. It seems to be there. Oftentimes has been that combination of of these physical skills and and you know I think Tai Chi obviously lends itself because it is Tai Chi. What is Yin Yang again? Right, right? understanding of Yin Yang. So yeah, I think it's a interesting idea coming always back to you know something like that. The Yin Yang idea pops up. Continuously, I guess. <laughs> and, of
1: course, the opening and closing is key of course. in tai Chi. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we've come almost an hour. Yeah. I think we're maybe five minutes shy of an hour. If, is there any concluding comments you want to make?
0: Well, well, first of um not so much concluding comments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just a fascinating topic. I think I will... I mean, for me to understand Tai Chi, you know, this this Tai Chi, this yin-yang aspect, I think will be a lifelong exploration for me. And, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, know, I've been doing this for, I don't know, 10 10 years now or something like that. But, um, you know... As a practitioner, as a martial arts much longer. Yeah, but uh, I'm still... Trying, like you know, I feel like I'm just scratching on the surface of understanding yin yang and, and the depth of it. Um, so that's one aspect, um, and I'm sure we will probably have more, uh, um, you know, talks about this in the future. Um, I, I would also like to, you know, we we set up the podcasts on, on various sites where they can leave comments. So I would be curious to see if, if people had comments and and suggestions of of things we should talk about.
1: In, in sure. Yeah, we had talked on the next one maybe to look back on our development as practitioners and look for key inflection points. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'd, I would be talking about certain teachers and what I have gotten from them. Absolutely. Uh, and my, my practice really went from Yang to Yin in a, a, a certain sense, you know, from uh, stronger needling, stronger body work to now... Mostly doing gentle stuff, but I, I maintain a healthy respect for stronger uh, techniques and know they have their place and in, in the um, terms of being a, a tool in your clinical arsenal, mm-hmm. um, but you would have to typify my practice as uh, um, more yin in terms of more gentle. Uh, and so on. But uh, I didn't start there and uh, it's still fun to do occasionally some of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be a wonderful topic talking about you know, those
0: those um, significant points of, of contact with you know teachers or or ideas that shifted to practice, you know, you know our practice. I think that would be quite interesting. Um, but just, uh, just as a final thing, you know, ultimately, I mean, what does yin-yang want to describe is, you know, change, the process of change, trying to understand change. I mean, that's what, you know, illness is about, that something went, you know, that usually the body can recover, reestablish some type of balance it has gone awry, right? Mm-hmm. And we see, so, you know, this idea of change being described, you know, Chinese medicine, I think that lots of different philosophies that approach that, how to, how to change, to, to, to tackle this, this notion of change. And I think that might be a future topic as well, Mm
1: -hmm. maybe, um, but yeah, one final thought just, I mentioned earlier, Alan Watts, and we started out talking about classical Chinese medicine. Um, that's how we got onto Mm -hmm. yin yang, right? And, um. He made the, he was talking about Buddhist classics, not medical classics, but I think the point remains the same. He, he, and he was a scholar of those texts, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But he said, people can make a fetish of the classics. Right. And he said, it's a bit, to me it seems, like making a fetish of an acorn when there's a oak tree right there. Right. Uh, So the point is that uh, these classical principles transmitted forward and they're understood differently in different uh, eras and by different master practitioners. So that not all wisdom that that you need to pay attention to in Chinese medicine uh, resided in the Han dynasty or the Jin Yuan dynasty wherever your your focus is. Um, But that there are uh, luckily for all of us uh, people alive today who can uh, really breathe new life into these principles that were elucidated long 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 time ago mm-hmm. and, uh, and then we have our our living teachers uh, exactly. that can guide us
0: yeah i mean ultimately for me it still comes down to can you be relevant in the clinic Mm -hmm. Right. Ultimately, I think I'm a clinician, not a you know, classical scholar. And ultimately, can we affect, you know, the appropriate change in somebody and and make their lives better?
1: Right. Amen. Yeah. (laughs) Finish there. Yeah.
0: All right. We'll be back soon. I also wanted to mention that. I believe we are gonna start a Chinese classical Chinese medicine uh, course here. I believe it starts in January of uh, next year. Um, I haven't written up yet the the entire curriculum or, or the, the, the description of it. I have the curriculum. I know what I want to teach. But um, so if if somebody's interested, uh, give us you know a call, check out our website. Hopefully there will be something on in the near future um if you have questions about it um you know give us a call or uh check out the website you know M-O-K-U-T-I m o k u t i.net and go from there um what i'll be focusing on is exactly this yin yang five elements really trying to understand it in a clinical setting from the get go i'll bring case presentation you know case you know little cases so you can start seeing from the get-go, how applicable it is. We will also do diagnosis. So the four pillars of diagnosis is, you know, palpation, pulses, you know, looking, smelling, asking, you know, hearing, those kind of things, and we'll just take those and, and really uh, look at it from a yin-yang perspective and go from there. Um, so. Uh, if you have any other questions, yeah, give us a call 503-892-5160 and, um, uh, or come check out, uh, one of the Qigong classes here Tuesday evenings. Um, we're happy to, to, you know, to play. All right. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon. Bye.